I don't know if it's ever happened to you. It's happened to me a couple of times when I've gone and met somebody that uh, I thought was maybe new or something to me. Uh, I'd visit with them and they would go, oh, so you're him. <laughs> and they would not. You know, when you hear that at the police station, uh, that's really not a good thing. When your principal says that to you, it's really not a good thing. Uh, but sometimes we can go and our reputation precedes us, and sometimes it's a good thing, and sometimes maybe it's a balloon thing. Maybe they know good things about you that you didn't even know that existed. And, and you know, sometimes that's not a bad thing when they've when they've heard those good things about you. Uh, and, and so sometimes our, our reputation does precede us. As I was looking at Colossians chapter 1 and looking at these verses, verses 3 through 8 here, I, I couldn't help but think about that, that as Paul is writing this letter to the church of Colossae, uh, that he's excited about what's going on there, that he's heard good things about what's going on there. And so as we look at the first part of this passage here in verses 3 through 8, it's kind of a continuation of the introduction that he started last week. Uh, but he's kind of talking about, hey, there's some good things that are going on and, and exciting things that are happening in your midst. And so he addresses those things or he speaks of those things here. So open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. And we want to look at verses 3 through 5 to begin with here. Colossians 1 verses 3 through 5. Paul says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you've heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. Now, as we look at this, let's just think for a moment that we are the Church of Colossae, okay? We've gathered together, we're in Colossae, and we've gathered together for Sunday school, and I open the scroll, and I read this to you, all right? This is from the Apostle Paul to us. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. What would that do for you if that was us, and we heard Paul share that? Great encouragement. Okay, great encouragement. Okay. Great encouragement as well. Okay. All right. Feel blessed. Okay. You would feel blessed as a result of that. Okay. Uh, which, as we look at that, what kind of sticks out to you in that as we think about being encouraged or being blessed? Their faith in Christ. Okay. Their faith in Christ. Okay. They should be a role model for us too. Okay, the Apostle Paul should be a role model. Okay. Okay, all right. So we read just verse 3 there. What sticks out to you in verse 3 as Paul shares this? That he's thankful for them. I mean, have you ever had someone tell you that? Uh, my wife's told me four times that she was thankful for me. She hates when I pick on her, but... Yeah, four times. Uh, but when she says that, uh, isn't that encouraging to you when you do that? When, when you do something and it's noticed or, or when something happens and, and you're appreciated for that uh, and, and they do say thank you. So we're here as the, as the Church of Colossae. Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes this letter to us and says, hey, I'm thankful for you guys. Now, how many times had Paul been in their presence and preached to them? Bagel. This church was not founded by Paul. 
Epaphras was in, Eph in Ephesus, heard the gospel, Epaphras took the message to Colossae, and the church was planted that way. So it was planted as a result of Paul's ministry, but not directly due to Paul's ministry. So Paul hadn't even been to the church there uh, in Colossae. And he says, you know what? I'm thankful for you guys. That would be encouraging, wouldn't it, to, to hear that. And then what else would be of a great encouragement to you as you look at verse 3? Paul prays for us. Think about that. The Apostle Paul, when he speaks, the throne of God moves, right? I mean, we've seen Paul in his prayer life. We've seen some great things happen. And, and their, his reputation has preceded him, okay? They know who Paul is, and Paul is praying for us. Isn't that a great encouragement when someone tells you they're praying for you? Uh, I love bumping into people on the streets and they'll say, hey, I, I read Joe Blow's obituary and I read that you're doing the funeral. Uh, I know Joe Blow's family and, and Joe Blow's family's tough. I'm going to be praying that for you, that, that you'll be able to share the gospel with them, that some people will come to know Christ as a result of that. Man, that's like saying sick them to a dog. You know, I don't even know Joe Blow's friend here. Uh, but they know me, and they're praying for me because they know Jesus, they know I know Jesus, and now I'm going to tell people about Jesus. So they're praying for an open opportunity, they're praying for the message. What a great encouragement to me that is. And, and when we think about when we're going through hard times, and, and people we know or people we don't know come up to us and say, hey, I'm praying for you. That's an encouragement, isn't it? So here's the Apostle Paul writing to the Church of Colossae, and he says, Hey, we're praying for you. What a, what a great thing that would be. All right? So he says, We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love that you have for all the saints. Now, as we think about the Colossian believers here, what about their reputation has preceded them? Because Paul has not met them yet, right? So what about their reputation has preceded them, as Paul speaks here uh, in verse 4? Heard about their faith. Heard about their faith. Good thing or bad thing? Very good thing. That's right. Very good thing. I mean, he's heard about how they've, they've come to know Christ. He's heard of their faith. Uh, and so just, just hearing that about, about what God's doing in their hearts, uh, great thing there. What else? Have, what else has he heard about them? About their love. About their love for one another. About their love for one another. Now think about this. This church. This letter is written to us. All right. How would that make you feel? I've heard about your faith. That's uplifting, isn't it? Very encouraging. All right. Very encouraging. Uh, and then to hear about their love. How would that be? What's usually the word on the streets? We've heard how you guys don't get along. <laughs> we heard how you guys hate each other. That's what we've heard. Uh, I was reading a while back about a church, and, and they were taking up the offering, and two deacons right there as they're taking up the offering just break out and start punching each other. Right there while they're taking up the offering. Man, can you imagine that being on the 9 o'clock news? <laughs> I think we'd have to consider a name change. That's a hard one to get over, right? All right, But no love there. All right, Just bitterness and hatred there and anger there towards one another. 
But, but Paul, as he hears about the church of Colossae, he's heard about their love for one another. And these are new believers. This is a young church. And yet he's heard about their faith, and he's heard about their love for one another. Uh, what, a, what, great, what great characteristics to have shared about your church, no matter how old we are as a church. Uh, two, two great elements uh, to be shared uh, there. Now, now look at look at uh, look at verse four here. I just I, I thought about this as I as I read this, and and just was kind of thinking on it. But verse four says this: Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, where what is the object of their faith? Jesus Christ. That's right. That's the object of their faith. Uh, is that an important object of faith? Yeah, saving faith. Uh, and if we don't have faith in Christ, what do we really have? I mean, we're nothing more than a social gathering, right? Uh, but, but as he speaks here, he, he's heard about their faith and their, their faith in Christ. Remember that song that was out a few years ago? My, my sister's a Wham fan, so I know that you got to have faith. Remember that? Was it Wham that sang that? Got to have faith, got to have faith, faith, faith. Uh, but if we have faith just in our own faith, or if we have faith in the color of our pews, if we have faith in the color of our carpet, if we have faith in our nation, it really doesn't do us much good in the scheme of eternity, does it? I mean, it's we have faith in nothing. It's, it's nothingness faith. But if we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's saving faith. That's, that's faith that can turn the world upside down. Uh, that's faith that should be contagious, right? And as Paul hears about this faith, he's excited about what's going on within this church. Uh, and so uh, that's what he says is, uh, I hear about your faith and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for your faith and, and, and so thankful for, for what God is doing there. And because of your faith, we're thankful. Because of your faith, we're praying for you. Uh, and, you know, we've heard about your faith. And so it is a, it is a great thing of encouragement here. Uh, any thoughts about that or any comments about that? Well, they grew their saving faith by their love for the brethren, too. Okay. That's part of the fruit that they have here. Certainly, certainly. Uh, and kind of the fruit of that faith is their love for one another. Uh, and certainly, we certainly see that as a result of their faith, as a result of that life change. Uh, we see that love for one another. And their faith in what Christ accomplished. On the throne. Okay. That's their faith. Okay. Certainly. He accomplished not what they've accomplished, is what he accomplished. Right, right, right. So that's saving faith. It's part of, of the fruit of the Spirit, which yes. is very important. Yes, exactly. Uh, just confirmation of their of their salvation, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and that's the number four there says, Why does Paul thank God for their faith? Uh, I think that's that's important as we as we think about that because uh, he knew their faith was God's doing. You know, he knew their faith was God's doing. So how can he thank anybody else other than God? So he has to thank God. Uh, that's the only way to make it make sense is thanking God for their faith because of the of the impact that's been made there in Colossae. And so he's, he's grateful for that. Uh, as you think about Paul here, and he's... He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for you since we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all saints. 
What is Paul's situation here as he is giving thanks to God for that? He's in prison. He's in prison. What are his circumstances? <laughs> Woo right up there, okay? Paul looked really good in orange, didn't he? So, you know, because orange is the new black, he's there and he's like, hey, because I'm in orange, I'm so grateful for everything, okay? When, when things are going well for us, okay, is it easy for us to be thankful for everybody else? Oh, yeah. I mean, when we're doing well, it's easy to look at somebody else who's doing well and go, that's awesome, I'm so proud for you, but here I am, I'm proud for both of us. I'm just, God is so good. But if our circumstances are not that good, okay, what, and, and not us, okay, people in Canada, uh, what can be their temptation when things are not going good for us and it's going good for someone else? We have a clouded outlook. We have a clouded outlook. All right, Ms. Karen. Jealousy. Jealousy. Okay, envy. What happens when jealousy and envy is there? No happiness. There's no happiness. There's no joy. There's no thankfulness. And I don't know how it is in your world, but in Canandaigua's world, there's no thanksgiving. If things aren't peachy-pooching in my world, I'm not grateful for everybody else's peaches either. But if it's kind of amazing how that works. But Paul is here in prison in this terrible circumstance. And he's like, you know what? Every time I think about you guys, I give thanks to God. I give thanks to God. He doesn't say, hey, uh, you know, you guys, things are going well for you, but not so much for me. We don't read that. Matter of fact, in chapter 4, it's the first time we really see Paul say, hey, pray for me. I'm in my chains. Other than that, we don't read about him being in prison. But he's thankful to God for the work that God is doing. Amen. What kind of mindset does Paul have for that? Fake? Shallow? A godly. Godly. He's got a godly mindset here, doesn't he? God-focused, God-centered, God-honoring. I mean, that's where he's at. Full of love for them. Full of love for them. Full of love for them. And, and you know, as you think about this, this isn't Paul, this isn't Paul's church plan. This is not Paul's church plan. But yet he's still thankful for them. There's no competitive gene here. There's no, oh, I wish that was my group. He's grateful for God and the work that God has done. How do we look at other churches when, when God is doing a work? It should be the same way, shouldn't it? When we see God doing good things no matter where it is, uh, we, should, we should be thankful for the work that God is doing. Now sometimes, you know, we know churches that are, that are not doing well, uh, that are doing well, but it's not because of God. It's not because of a Christ-centeredness or anything else. Uh, and that's, that's a different circumstance. But when we think about churches that are doing well, and we see God working, uh, we should be thankful for that. And we see God working in the lives of others. We should be thankful for that. Hey, maybe I'm not there, but I'm thankful for the work that God is doing in others. All right, let's turn in our Bibles real quick to John chapter 13. John chapter 13.
John chapter 13, just thinking about Paul as he looks at the church here in Colossae, uh, and as he speaks about the church of Colossae uh, in verse 4, he says, We've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and we've heard of the love that you have for all the saints. John chapter 13, verse 35. Uh, isn't that in black and white? Red and white. Okay, so it's red and white. So this is Jesus speaking. Uh, and Jesus says this, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now, as you think about this all people, who is Jesus speaking about there? By this all people will know. What is he? Who is he speaking about there? The love that they have. The world. Okay, the world. He says, by this, all people will know. He's speaking about the world. They will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So if, as he looks at the church here in Corinth and they have love for the saints, the people are Colossae, sorry. We shouldn't be doing two C books, should we, at the same time? <laughs> shouldn't be starting two C books. So note to self, don't do that again. Uh, but thankfully, they're both the same author, so I can say Paul all day long and no one will be confused. <laughs> But as we think about what's going on here in the Church of Colossae, as we think about them being in an unsaved community, as we think about this new church plant that's there, people are going to see there's something different about this group. They are something that the world does not have. And Jesus says, when you have that kind of love, the world will know that you're my disciples because you march to the beat of a different drum. That's, that's what Jesus is sharing here, and that's what Paul sees there uh, in them as well. Any thoughts about that? All right. Now, let's go back to Colossians 1. Colossians 1. Uh, and look at, look at verse 5 there. Colossians 1, verse 5. Uh, verse 4 says, says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you've heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. What does it mean when Paul speaks about the hope that's laid up for them in heaven? Salvation. 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 Uh, that is our hope, isn't it? That is the, that is the hope that we have. Uh, and, and that's what's laid up for us in heaven is, is that hope. Uh, and, and you know, as we think about that, I mean, that should be our mindset, right? I mean, that should be our focus point as we think about that. When we read John chapter 14 and Jesus talks about coming again and taking you with me, where I am, you will be also. Uh, that's the exciting part about that, is that our hope in heaven, I mean, we're going to see there, we're going to get there, we're going to see Aunt Romanell and, and Uncle Eugene there, but it's going to be better when we get there because we're going to be in the presence of Jesus. I mean, I'm grateful that Aunt Romanell is going to be there and Uncle Eugene was weird, but I'm glad he's there. <laughs> but the greatest thing about it is going to be Jesus uh, and, and being in the presence of Jesus. And, and so that should be where our mindset is. It is the Church of Colossae is here. 
Uh, that is that is their hope. That is where their mindset is as well. Now notice it's, it says, of this you've heard before in the word of the truth. What is the word of the truth? Yes. The gospel. He tells us in the next phrase there, doesn't he? The gospel. That is the word of truth. And it's the gospel that that brings them to know Christ. It is the gospel that, that brings them life. It is the gospel that is what is what's given them that hope. Uh, that's what's that change because of the gospel is what's given them that love for one another. That's their faith in the gospel is what's what's had this change for the people of Colossae. Uh, and it is the gospel. Uh, and you know, as we think about that, and we're gonna we'll see it as we move through the book of Colossians here. Uh, Gnosticism was a false teaching that was going on, and Gnosticism was kind of, uh, in this age, was kind of infiltrating the church. Uh, but it was the gospel, the truth of the gospel, that was that had changed their lives. And so, as Paul speaks about this, he's speaking about the truth, uh, not the false teaching, but the truth. Uh, and the truth is what we need to hear, isn't it? The truth is what needs to be shared. The, the truth is what needs to be heard. Uh, and so he's, he mentions that and speaks about it because it was the truth that they heard uh, that was spoken to them that, that brought about this change of heart, this change of mind. All right? Any thoughts about anything we see there in those first verses there? The gospel is the same for us today. The gospel is the same for us today. And I think that's a great point because it doesn't age, doesn't it? It doesn't, it doesn't change. The gospel is still the same. And it's as much needed today as it was in this age when Colossae came to know Christ. Uh, it's amazing. We can, we can change laws. We can change rules. We can do all of that stuff. But it's the gospel that changes lives and changes hearts. And how we stand on that truth because of what Christ has done. When you think about that, our mind is, is heavenly. It's eternal. Mm -hmm. Uh, issues, not temporal issues, not, but it's looking to Christ. Yeah. And that's our strength. Right. Is in Christ and yeah. what he did. So yeah. it's so reassuring that we're just pilgrims. Here. Sure, sure. And the truth has not changed. Yeah. We're grateful, grateful for that. All right, look at verse six here. It says, Which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and it is increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Now, as I read this, there's a question that I have here. Uh, how does the word of truth bear fruit and increase? Isn't the truth already maximum? How can we have more truth? How can this increase? How can this how can this bear fruit? How can the truth bear fruit? Growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Okay. By growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ. And so as the gospel is shared, lives are changed. Okay? The gospel comes to five people, five people's lives are changed, they're growing in their faith in Christ. They share the gospel with five people. So now we have 10 people, right? Uh, and so we see the gro growth increase. We see numbers increase. And we see spiritual maturity increase as well, don't we? As we look through the book of Acts, every once in a while Luke will put in there, and they increased by 3,000. 
and the body increased and more were added to that number each day. And that is what growth is. That's what this thought of increasing and, and the truth bearing fruit increasing. And notice what he says there. Uh, the truth which has come to you as indeed in the whole world is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you. What's good for the goose is good for the gander, right? So the gospel was good for Colossae because it caused growth, it caused change of lives, but the gospel is also going to be good in Laodicea. The gospel is also going to be good in Ephesus. The gospel is also going to be good in that one place, uh, Medina. Uh, the gospel is going to be good there as well, isn't it? Because the gospel is the truth. The gospel is what changes lives. The gospel is what bears fruit. And the gospel is what causes increase, right? Uh, and it doesn't matter uh, what else comes along or what where it's at. The gospel does that. And notice what it says here. It says, as in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing. Is this good for those who speak Chinese? Oh, yes. It's effective for those who, now we have to share it in Chinese, right? But the gospel itself is the truth, and it's truth that impacts lives if we're in China or in India or way out in the uttermost parts of the world like Medina. The truth is what changes lives. Uh, and there's no magic formula to it. It's the gospel. It's the truth of the gospel. And so Paul, as he's writing here to them, he's encouraging them and, and, and talking about the changes that have taken place, and, and it's a result of the gospel. All right, so what do we learn about Epaphras? We've kind of talked about him a few times already, but what do we see about him? What's that? A fellow servant, okay? Miss Karen? He was faithful. He was faithful, all right? He's the one that the church in Colossae. Okay, all right. He heard Paul's message and took it to Certainly. He heard the gospel message and he went and shared it with somebody else. Uh, and then the church of Colossae was planted as a result of Epaphras' work. Uh, but one person, I mean, it was Epaphras that we, that we see here, right? And the church of Colossae was started as a result of Epaphras. Uh, I told you a couple of weeks ago, we went to that Adams Road, uh, and Adams Road was uh, a guy's name is Micah. He was saved and, and came to know Christ, was brought out of the Mormon church and, and was saved. And, and he wasn't sure on a Mormon mission, you have two years there. Uh, and then at the end of your mission, you share, you have an opportunity to share with all of the candidate, all of the missionaries. You have an opportunity what you sh what you learned over the two years. And so he's praying for wisdom. He's praying for guidance. Uh, and he just shares with them about the truth of Jesus Christ. That's what he shares with them. Uh, and the leaders all kind of looked around at each other and went, ah. And so three days later, he got invited to meet with the leaders and got kicked out of the church. Okay. There was one man who was there that was his roommate, heard the message, and he knew what Micah was going through. But he heard that message, and God began to work on him. All right. Uh, Micah goes home, doesn't know he's going to tell his mom. His mom is a teacher at BYU, uh, a tenured professor at BYU, Brigham Young University, uh, Mormon University, successful in life. He goes home and tells her and her, his dad about what happened. Anxious, not sure about it, 
tells his family about it as well. Turns out that as he shares that story, his brother is playing the keyboard for that group. His brother came to know Christ. He went home and shared the gospel with his girlfriend. They were high school sweethearts. She got saved. They're married, have three kids now, okay? Shared with his mom, his mom and dad uh, had been seeking God when they first came to the Mormon church. They continued seeking God. They both got saved. Uh, his roommate became his brother-in-law because he married his sister against his will. Uh, his sister got saved. He got saved. So this one man had this impact on this family of, of people coming to know Christ. Epaphras is here. He has that kind of impact. One person sharing the truth of the gospel. People receiving that truth and lives are being changed. How many of you guys looked in the mirror today? <laughs> There's a couple of you I knew you didn't. But anyway. uh, looked in the mirror and saw one person today. Saw one person. And you know, when we think about that one person, if we can share the gospel truth with one person, we can impact a world. We can turn the world upside down. But it is just a matter of us sharing the truth. Sharing because the gospel still changes lives. The gospel still changes lives. So what do we take home from this? I mean, what do we, as we look at this, what do we, what do we see here in this passage? Stay true to the gospel. Okay. I think that's really important that we stay true to the gospel. We stay true to the gospel because it's the gospel that changes lives. All right, what else do we see? Stay steadfast and, and not following back into what we think. Okay, all right. Stay steadfast and immovable so that we don't fall back into where we fell out of, okay? Where we climbed out of or we were drug out of, okay? Receive the grace of God. Okay, great reminder of the grace of God, right? The Church of Colossae was a lost community. The grace of God reached in and pulled out that group. Sharing the love of Christ. Okay, sharing the love of Christ. Uh, and you know, it's amazing when we think about that. Sharing the light, love of Christ with one another. Outsiders can hear about that. Hey, there's something different about that group. Uh, that would be a great reputation to have, wouldn't it? Uh, you know, they, they smell their name funny. They're weird people over there in Medina, but man, they love each other. They love each other. They have compassion for each other. That would be a great reputation to have, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. I just can't get over the transformation of Paul. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just a matter of years ago was hatred and killing people and (laughs) gospel changed his life. Gospel's changing other people's lives as well. Yeah, so true. What about those around with it too is the unconditional love. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's unconditional love. Right, right. That transformation takes place and that unconditional love is there. Yeah. All right, well, let's have a word of prayer, shall we? Father.